is um, the statement, I don't know if you can see it on the board, uh, the statement is, religion doesn't have a monopoly on happiness. Um, and we thought this was quite relevant for the youth and even those that are not young anymore, or who were young before. <laughs> but just for everyone here, um, especially living in a secular country, even though we don't claim we're secular, we are um, living in a secular country, uh, this statement comes up more and more, especially when you uh, talk to or even try and preach to uh, new people. And we, uh, so we thought, uh, who's the debate master? And uh, just when that happened, I got a message saying, His Holiness J.B. Maharaj is in town. Uh, would you like to do a program? So we were like, this is the best. <laughs> um, this is the ideal situation. So we thought we'd, um, how it's going to work is we're going to split it up into half-half. So half of us is going to be us asking some questions um, and having a discussion. And the other half is for you guys to ask questions. So on the board, if you would like to ask an in-person question, that's preferable. But if you are worried about asking an in-person question, there is an anonymous question option. There's a QR code over there. If you, can, if you want to ask a question, just scan it with your phones and you can send any questions you have through. Um, and we'll dedicate about half an hour to answering those at the end. Does that sound okay? Yeah. Are you guys seem tired? Does that sound okay? Yeah. A little bit better. We'll get there, we'll get there. Okay. Can we put all the phones on silent also, please? start off. So the first question is actually for the audience. Can you please put your hand up if you're happy? It's a pretty easy question. Put your hand up if you're happy. Higher, higher. Don't be afraid. We're all family here, apparently. Higher. Okay, that's a lot of you. Everyone's happy, huh? Okay. So the next question is, uh, Marge, are you happy? is um, today we see many atheists who are happy um, and many theists who are unhappy. Um, more and more people are coming away from religion or struggling with religion or saying that they're religious just for the sake of saying that they're religious. Um, and is there any evidence? So the question is, is there any evidence that suggests theology leads to happiness? Is there any evidence that theology leads to happiness. Just the study of, of religion? No. Not that it, and it's also, you know, is there any evidence? I don't know what's out there. But as far as I know, there's nothing that theology as a discipline leads to happiness. 
So um, I think just coming off that point, I think less about theology meaning the study of religion and more about is there evidence that a spiritual practice or... Is there like any, I guess you could say, because that's quite hard to measure. Right. So, as in, yeah, so we could say like everyone in the room is chanting Hare Krishna, but I saw some hands didn't go up. So how would you measure if that's the case? Sometimes when you do go home to the temple in the morning at about 5am, everybody just looks so miserable chanting. <laughs> Everyone just looks so miserable chanting at like 5am in the morning. They don't look happy that they've got up that early. <laughs> yes. Consider how everybody else looks at 5 in the morning. <laughs> The <clears throat> by self-testimony we find that people say that uh, chanting Hare Krishna brings them happiness and therefore they continue to chant Hare Krishna. Some people mm, may experience greater happiness by chanting, some less happiness by chanting, depending on how they chant. But by my subjective measure, it seems to me that I feel a lot better when they chant, and that other people tell me they feel a lot better when they chant. And evidence, if you have to measure, um, people who take up Krishna consciousness seriously lose interest in things like alcohol, intoxicants of all sorts and other so-called sources of happiness, uh, other, yeah. So how are they doing that? Uh, it's because they're feeling some happiness by, by chanting, and therefore virakti-ranyatracha, they develop detachment. The, those who are not in some process for spiritual realization have difficulty giving up material, so-called enjoyment, however troublesome it is. But by chanting, they find it easy. Just a rebuttal to that in the sense of those who are practicing find some level of happiness and that may be more than the level of happiness than materialists. Uh, just a, a stat that, you know, we like stats. Um, so if you look at the top 10 most happy countries, there was a study done in 20, 2015 to 2017. Uh, all, every single top 10 country that's a ranked most happy are secular countries. Yeah. For example, Finland, Denmark, etc. Mm -hmm. So how does that correlate or is that compatible with that statement? Well, if you're into science, what is the statement? Uh, correlation does not mean causation. You're into science. You're, you're familiar with that statement? Correlation does not amount to causation, which basically means that uh, the, the question doesn't mean anything. 
<laughs> correlation doesn't mean causation, but it can lead to causation, right? No. They're just t simply two different things. The if I walked into this room and uh, and, and the, this recorder fell over, doesn't mean that because I walked in the room, the recorder fell over. If there's correlation. The two things happen at the same time. But there's no reason to think that there's causation. So it's a, it's a common error in, to, to think that correlation is equivalent to causation. And so the question is... Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Um, think nothing of it. <laughs> So, uh, religion, I guess every religion, including, including Krishna consciousness, uh, tells you to follow rules um, to lead to happiness. You know, rules are freedom for us. Um, or they lead to freedom, like the four regulated principles. Like Prabhupada said that they're the cause of freedom, or we can get more freedom by following them. And yet atheists seems to ha seems, seem to get, in general, more, uh, if the same, if not more, happiness without following such rules and regulations and being barred down and being, you know, um, constantly checked. Um, so, what's the point of following such rules? Of course, seem is the the operative verb there. Seem to get greater happiness. Seem to get greater freedom. But we see. Those who are, what's the word, controlled by their tongues, by their senses, seem to have greater freedom. They can do anything they want, but actually they're slaves to their senses. So seems is one thing and is is another. Could, could you say that? even though they may seem to be free, whether you're free or not, they're still happy, right? Would you agree? So whether they're free or not, so they're not following the four regs, so we would say they're not free, truly free. Yeah, we would say that. But w would you say that they're still achieving some level of happiness? Yeah. That's described in Bhagavad Gita. There are three kinds of happiness that they can get. Happiness in the mode of goodness, happiness in the mode of passion, happiness in the mode of ignorance. That's happiness. Pig, the pig is undeniably happy. It's getting stool to eat, and it's got a big smile on its face. <laughs> who would say that the pig is not happy? The very smile of the pig disproves the statement. But it's happiness in the mode of ignorance. He's eating all rubbish and he's happy. In the mode of passion, one is getting happiness that leads to suffering. By, yes, by becoming, what's the word? By pursuing happiness through the touch of the senses with the sense objects, they get immediate happiness and long-term trouble. So that's happiness, but that's happiness and passion. 
Yeah, so on that actually. Um, so would you so judging from the pig example and the example of happiness in different modes, so could you say that quality of happiness is so I just went through it and then the quality of happiness is could you say that quality of happiness is subjective and if no not just subjective. There are different qualities, different kinds of of, of happiness that one can we can say objectively um, measure. The Bhagavad Gita explains uh, the qualities of this happiness, and you can reliably judge. This is happiness in passion. This is quality, happiness in ignorance. This is happiness in goodness. So if what, what I'm trying to say is, if that quality of happiness is subjective, then the only way we can, to me, compare other people's happiness to ours is by looking at quantity. So if we, if no, we can't really... I was saying it wasn't subjective. Just like intoxication. Someone's getting happiness from alcohol. It's not really subjective that they're getting happiness from alcohol. It's an objective fact. They're, it's alcohol that's giving them that happiness. Um, it's not just, I think that's what's happening. There's a, a cause, and there is a causal relationship there. They're, they're drinking Jack Daniels and they're feeling happy. Would, would the quality of the happiness coming from alcohol be subjective? You could say it's subjective, sure. So if that's the case, then the only way I can compare my happiness with someone else to me is by looking at quantity, because the quality to them is their own. Subjective, I, was, I had in mind for them. They, they feel a certain happiness. But you can, you can see the characteristics of that happiness. Uh, of course, our measure is not to speculate. We take it from Bhagavad Gita. Krishna says, this is the kind of happiness that they'll get. It's a kind of misery from the beginning to the end. Uh, that's the kind of happiness you get from um, drinking and drinking. Um, from happiness and passion, you get a happiness that's um, pleasure in the beginning and, and misery at the end. And from, <clears throat> from goodness, you get uh, happiness which in the beginning may seem a little difficult, but at the end, it's, it leads to self-realization and it goes on and on. So the so we take it not from I think this, I think that. We're taking our information from Bhagavad Gita. We see that it correlates with what actually happens. Is my Kindle pouch in here? Oh, Shalomit. Yes, my red book. Sorry. My red book. So just to add on to that, could you elaborate on why the happiness of, as you're saying, the pig is less lesser than the happiness of self-realization? <laughs> well, one reason is that it, it doesn't last. The Prabhupada looked, someone asked him in Bombay, one of the last lectures he gave, that you're saying that <coughs> to be a, a pig is is miserable. 
but if I became a pig, then I'd, I'd, I'd think myself a pig, and I'd be very happy as a pig. Hmm? So why, why should you say it's, it's um, miserable or that it's low? And uh, what's wrong with it? And Prabhupada said, well, if there's nothing wrong, then it's all right. But we don't think that kind of life is very nice. So if you think the pig's happiness is very nice, then good. Eat anything and everything. Um, have sex with anything and everything. And think, no, this is very nice. But we don't think that kind of life is very nice. As you were mentioning, uh, happiness and the mode of goodness is poison at the start and nectar at the end. And, you know, we had this a lot in Gita, but also in all the classes. And every time we go to a mentor and say, I'm not getting um, any pleasure, um, I'm not getting any pleasure chanting my rounds or whatever. And they'll say, you know, it'll come, it'll come uh, if you chant properly. Um, and it seems like it's a reoccurring theme. Like every time we go to and ask, like, why am I not getting happiness now? It's like a, oh yeah, it'll, it'll, it'll come there, it'll come, it'll come. And then 30 years down the line, it's still like, yeah, it's coming, don't worry, have some faith. Um, and it seems like a you know, cat and mouse chase where we don't actually get the mouse. Well, um, if you're not getting anything, then probably it should continue. After 30 years, if you're chanting Hare Krishna, then maybe something is wrong with what you're doing. You should re-examine what you're up to. That's helpful. <laughs> <laughs> As I said, it's relevant for those that are not young either. <laughs> Do the Vedas. Marriage, it's even recommended in the Vedic scriptures that unless you properly fulfill your material desires, it, um, you won't be able to take properly to spiritual life. Um, and also, yeah, and that you won't be properly situated. And even some people that advocate Vanapras, for example, if you um, do that immaturely, then um, you know you could be renounced in Rindavan and then end up getting up, an upgrade, literally lose your heart in Rindavan. So, um, yeah. I always, I always thought there was something weird about that t-shirt. <laughs> yes. <clears throat> the thing is that material desires are never satisfied. And satisfying material desires to whatever extent possible doesn't necessarily lead to spiritual realization. Otherwise, you know, New York City would be the center of uh, enlightenment. Didn't that happen for Maharaj Yayati, that he actually tried to fill yeah, that his was desires? Yeah, that was his method. Let me enjoy, let me enjoy, let me enjoy. So that's from Bhagavatam, so that's advocated, yeah. right? No. Not everything that's in Bhagavatam is advocated. There's so many things in Bhagavatam that are not. Uh, Lord Brahma went after his daughter. It's not advocated because it's in Bhagavatam. So Maharaj Yayati was complaining to Nard, you've made my sons into sadhus. So now they can't satisfy their material desires. But Maharaj Yayati himself had not fulfilled his material desires. So many 
They try, and uh, even Mick Jagger, they couldn't satisfy <laughs> material desires. Uh, and even if the material desires were so-called satisfied, they don't go further. So Narda had it right, that better to go for spiritual realization. And the material is that we don't say deny the senses, but since we say regulate the senses. Uh, we're not against sense gratification. Eating, sleeping, mating, depending. We don't say no eating, no sleeping. Uh, you satisfy your necessities, but don't make that your whole life. Eat. Who says no? But if you make your whole life eating, then how are you different from a dog? How are you different from a pig? If you're interested in eating, the pig is interested in eating, but if you make it your whole life, how are you different from a pig? Sleeping. We don't sit on sleep, but if you sleep like a bear, then what is that? We don't say no sex. But if sex becomes everything where sex is just willy-nilly unregulated, then how is it better than the sex of the cats, cats and dogs? So we don't say no sense gratification, but regulated sense gratification. You'll be happier. So um, coming on to that regulated that um, regulated solution. <laughs> so let's say we call material happiness X and spiritual happiness Y. So it seems that for the pig, for the dog, for all of these people who are unregulated, it's easier to get X. So like it's, it's easy to get X. And for us, it seems like it's taking us years and decades to get Y. So would you say that to me, a happiness which is easy to get fast and freely given could be more valuable than a happiness which is needs regulation, patience, lifetimes and so would you say that X is greater than Y? Unregulated is, is greater than Y? Yeah. Why should I say that? Because X was freely given. Freely given doesn't mean better. Otherwise the monkeys are more advanced than the human beings. I was just in Vrindavan. Their sense gratification is definitely X. Yeah, the the uh, monkeys climb on one another and they have a great time and there's no regulation. Is that better than the human beings? Because it's uh, more freely and immediately available. Is that your proposition? Yeah. And the monkeys are more advanced because uh, they have sense gratification like monkeys. The the monkey's pleasure is greater than our pleasure because it's more freely given and accessible. Okay, so you know what direction you want to go. <laughs> but we don't think that kind of life is very nice. This is, this is your advancement of civilization. The more we can become like the monkeys, the more we're advanced, the more we're happy. Is that your idea of advancement? 
but somehow we, we just need to become more like the monkeys, make the monkeys our um, ideal. My, my point I was trying to get to is that wouldn't a perfect path, a perfect religion, and, a, and an all-merciful God make happiness freely accessible like X is? No. That's, you know, that's like diamonds should be cheap. <coughs> if they're worth anything, then they should be cheap. They should be immediately available. No. And then everything, you know, everything that's immediate is good. Education tossed out the window because it takes so many years. Uh, even marriage, you know, it takes a while. You have to, somebody has to persuade somebody that it's a good idea. So just um, boom, 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 go at it. That's like better. Everything is better, just immediate gratification. That's, uh, and you know why? You know, anything that immediately gives me pleasure, a shot in the arm. That we have a serious problem in a lot of countries because people have adopted that view. They just snort something or shoot something, drink something, and because it's immediately available and brings me from zero to sixty in a moment. You think that's better? Is that your proposition? From Bhagavad Gita, this is happiness in the law of passion and ignorance. Brings happiness, no doubt, but what kind of happiness? Happiness that makes you miserable. And that's immediately available, doesn't make it superior. That's how people are revolted. Having said that, at least it's tangible. It seems like the spiritual ones are sort of constant, never ending, the goalpost keeps moving. So you might not actually ever experience it in your lifetime. The goalpost doesn't keep moving, it stays where it is, and we have to move toward it. But <clears throat> so miserably move towards In, it. Intangible. Hmm? Miserably move towards it. Miserably? Why miserably? You move miserably or you move happily, but it is where it is, and you move toward it. It's not the intangibility. The uh, so many things are intangible. Um, so many things are intangible. The you don't immediately see it. You put your money in the bank and they say, you know, within a year you'll have this much interest. And you don't see it. But at the end of the year you see it. It's not that what I don't immediately see doesn't exist, but it's not very smart. Uh, just on the miserably moving towards it, um, okay, let's get a bit personal. Um, in this one. <laughs> 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 oh, this one, right? I hope, maybe. Um, in Iskan, so that recently at least, um, not there seems to be, there is rising divorce rates, there is rising depression cases, um, and you could say as a percentage, even at the same rate as that in the material world. I'm not sure about that because no one does studies on Iskan depression and divorce rates, but maybe they should. But that, like, there is rising, there is that. Rising divorce rate, and like this movement um, or this <coughs> practice is meant to kind of you know the ups and downs and happiness and sadness. This is meant to find an equilibrium. We're meant to stay you know steadfast in mind, um, and yet it doesn't seem to be the case so much. Um, so, what are your thoughts on that? I'm not quite sure what you want to prove from that. 
the, uh, what I get out of it is watch out for marriage. <laughs> so, like, chant, for example, it's said like, uh, chanting, chanting two hours in the morning, uh, when, uh, you know, chanting 16 hours in the morning, etc., following the four ranks, that's meant to boost someone's mental stability, even on a material level, although it may be a byproduct of focusing on the spiritual. And yet, that doesn't seem to be the case because of the depression cases and, you know, the mental health issues and the instability just in people, like, within people, not within the society. You should have seen those people before they were chanting. Or see what they'd be like without chanting. If they're chanting and still they're unstable, you can just imagine what front cases they would be before chanting. mental stability and so on. But that you have to consider that when you're inviting people to chant Hare Krishna. Some people bring a lot of baggage. Everyone brings a lot of baggage. This chanting will help us uh, purify the heart, purify the mind. Uh, That's a fact. Uh, And those who chant uh, and follow the devotional process they do make progress, they do, even by material standards, have a, a better life. Mm-hmm. Yes. We don't say that, you know, you chant, everything will be hunky-dory. You chant, you'll never have marital problems. You chant, you'll never be unhappy. But you will make progress toward the goal of life. You will develop greater understanding. You will. Thank you. Um, coming back to the tangible point about spiritual happening, spiritual happiness not necessarily having to be tangible. Um, would you not say that? I keep coming back to this, but a greater happiness would be one that is tangible, that is measurable, that we can access, that we can identify and like tick a box. Would 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 it, a path not be more perfect if the happiness it gave you was tangible? There's tangibility, but you're it, it gets to be what's the word? Your idea is that everything is materially measurable, and it's not like that. It's not like that. That everything is just materially measurable, and by whom, and by what standards, and so on. Um, but you try this chanting, and you see what is the result. Hmm? We see practically, to people who join, and take up this chanting, there is a tangible difference. In a short time, they've given up intoxicants, they've given up gambling, they give up eating, they give up, and, and there's something tangible there. Anyone can see that. It's not just out there, it's some intangible. This is practical evidence. You ask the scientists, give up gambling, give up intoxicants, you, you can't do it. By chanting Hare Krishna, people give these things up, although they're the supposed great sources of happiness. 
And, and to the gradation that you propose in terms of mode of goodness, mode of uh, the hierarchy, mode of goodness, mode of passion, mode of ignorance, uh, being a universal one, and for someone that doesn't believe in that and so thinks that either happiness is arbitrary or happiness can't be measured or you know that kind of thing, because we're saying with this gradation system, happiness is measurable and is gradable. Um, so to someone who doesn't believe in that, what like what would you say, and how would you? Good luck. <laughs> This is, we don't say this is just a, you know, a measurable thing, but this is a, a framework for understanding. If we want to understand something, we put it within a conceptual framework. So this is a conceptual framework for understanding happiness. Um, without such a framework, people are just, let me try this, let me try that, let me try this, let me try And all hit and miss, all... Good luck, bad luck, stumbling this way and that way, sometimes happy, sometimes miserable. So here's a conceptual framework. This kind of happiness will give you, this kind of life will give you this kind of happiness, this kind of life will give you that kind of happiness, this kind of life. You can accept it or reject it, because it's a conceptual framework. And it's coming from the experience of great sages. You can take it or leave it. But if you take it, you get the benefit of their wisdom. And you get the benefit of a sensible framework for understanding the happiness of this world. People who are foolish have no even no sensible conceptual framework. You know, if it feels good, do it. A lot of things feel good and you know um, make you miserable. So that's not the greatest conceptual framework. But the, the framework offered by sages, the framework offered by Bhagavad Gita, among other things, is sensible. If you apply this framework, you'll see you'll have the higher, higher kind of happiness. And on this point of higher taste, to so those people who, you know, give it a shot and try it out even for like 10, 15, 20 years and then decide, you know, I still have the, these desires and I, and it's not working for me. <laughs> aside from the point of, you know, we always hear, oh, we didn't practice properly. Um, aside from that point, is there anything else that they could have done wrong or that could have happened or that you would say to them or is it just that their practice isn't good enough? Uh, there may have been discrepancies in their practice. Uh, they certainly were certainly, yeah. I mean, there just may have been a tough background. Something is there in their karma, something is there in their, their background. But whatever they did will be good for them. Um, whatever they did will, will be good for them. They, if you take anything, you know, those, whatever you think is good, let's say you think philanthropy is good. I'm not going to argue whether it is or it isn't. Let's say it is. If someone does philanthropy for 10 years. And they give it up. You can say, oh, see, you, you wasted 10 years of your life. The philanthropy is, is good. And for 10 years, they did something good. Mm -hmm. If you think education is good, all right, you gave up your education for 10 years, you got something. You don't say, oh, see, it's all useless. So if chanting Hare Krishna is good, if you do it for 20 years, and you give it up, you got 20 years. Uh, just on time, it is 8 o'clock, so 
we are going to try and move on to opening up to the audience. So we have the anonymous questions, um, but we also have, you know, you. So, peace. Well, I'm thinking of Bernard when he says that even if someone takes it up and, and puts it aside, this is permanent asset. And you can, again, you're free to accept that or reject it. But Narayamuni says this is what happens. And he's a great sage, great realized authority. You can take it or leave it. But he says, even if you give it up, you've gotten so much benefit. Um, so those who choose to accept Narayamuni's opinion, then we can pick that up. And others, well, they can go with their own opinion. And just um, to bear in mind, we're going to open up to questions in about two minutes. So keep questions in mind or scan the code of however you'd like to do it. Um, but the last question is, um, do you think that the movement is going in the right direction? Sometimes. And, and is there anything that we should be careful about? The movement. <laughs> It sometimes goes in the right direction. There's a... <clears throat> yes. It generally goes in the right direction, sometimes doesn't. There's a... <clears throat> a slogan, I think it's American, it sounds like a Yankee slogan. Um, my country, right or wrong? They don't say that around here, right? Okay. It's a very Yankee thing. My country, right or wrong? a thoughtful person in it when um, right to be kept right and when wrong to be made right. So when the movement's doing good, then it should keep doing good and we should help it stay good. And when it's doing wrong, we should stick it straight. And aside from the movement, is there anything that we should be especially wary of or yeah, everything else. <laughs> <laughs> okay, be on guard. Um, okay, thank you so much, Marge, for giving us the time. Um, sorry for causing offences. Um, we are going to open up now to the crowd. Anyone got any questions? Yes. The only problem is we don't have a roaming mic. So please, either you could come up or just shout. Shut.
indifferent to so-called material enjoyment, the more you can understand you're making progress. And the more you take pleasure in chanting Hare Krishna, the more you can see, yes, I'm making progress. Guru <coughs> Goswami gives the example. Someone is jaundiced, but he's... He has that jaundice disease, so he's advised to take sugar candy. Sugar candy is a cure for, for jaundice. So, how does he know he's breaking progress? In the bitter in the beginning, it tastes bitter than sugar candy. But as he makes progress, gradually the sugar candy starts to taste sweet. And he knows that he progress. Is that okay? There's a question there, there's a question here. Rebellion. Uh, but anyways, um, 
Oh, I'm from America. We're known for it also. <laughs> Hear that, so then maybe you can give some pointers or advice on how to become rebellious to, or, or <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, to, um, to imbibe this quality that can that can help us to open to mercy more. The well, this idea that by submissiveness we make our progress is. What shall I say? This is our, our, our experience. If, if we go to the teacher and we fight him in every step, why should I believe you? Why should I believe you? And what will we learn? Your father says, this is a watch. Why is it a watch? Why should I believe you? I'm from China. <laughs> no, you're right. Just accept, oh, this is a watch. And you learn, this is a watch. You don't have to um, make life complicated. We just accept what the um, trusted authority says. And now we know this is a watch. So it's not unreasonable. We, we all do that. We all uh, we want to know where we're going. We punch in something on Google Maps. Whatever country we're from, or whatever, however much we think we're rugged individuals, we still log on and see, okay, I'll be there in 15 minutes. So, uh, otherwise, if we fight it in every step, what will we learn? So, um, not, it's not unreasonable when we find. We should be critical that why should I accept this person's authority? Hmm? Surrender to the guru. Well, why should I surrender to the guru? Who's the guru? I should surrender to him. You're allowed to be critical. Now, why do I have to? What, what is his qualification? Now, um, it's recommended the disciple should examine, the prospective disciple should examine the prospective guru for a year. Uh, do I trust this person? And if you trust, then um, yes, I surrender. Just like Richard, she should stay up, shouting out, don't, but I surrender to you, please, that's right. One, Karpanya Dosho Bhattacha. On my own, I'm confused. I don't, I don't know. It's transcendent, I don't know what's good for me, what's not good for me. I'm confused. That's the first thing. You know, people think, I know, nobody can tell me, I'm on top of it. And we're bluffing because we're confused. Or we think we know, and then we find out that we're really going to be confused. So when we reach that point that I think I know, or I thought I know, or whatever, but now I've seen that I, I don't know who I am, what the purpose of my life is. So now let me approach the trusted person, the learned person, person, the discipline succession, the person who has knowledge of Shastra, the person who's always engaged in Krishna consciousness. And let me see, let me examine, is, is he really the genuine article? Is he uh, qualified? And then, all right, I see he's qualified. 
Why does it happen that people practice Krishna consciousness for some time and then go off and try something else? They feel like they've lost their personality. They've lost their personality. That's really a poor notion. What does it mean, their personality, to begin with? Everyone's individual. Everyone else didn't leave. They left. They had their individual personality. Those who stayed had their individual personality. Um, everything's personal. Everything's individual. It's not that. It's, it's a silly idea, really. It's like if you join the army, so the people say, "Oh, you lost your personality." They're brilliant military people. They're dullards. Some are more courageous. Some are, you know, hide behind the others. Some are lazy. Some are. Industrious. Everybody, not that because everybody's wearing the same uniform, that they lost their personality. And that's that's for superficial people. They don't see. In the, in the forest, all the trees have branches. They all have leaves. That doesn't mean the trees aren't individuals. The birds, they all have wings. They all have beaks. You know, you've lost your individuality. That's just such a superficial notion. Mm-hmm. You know, like the, in our among my God brothers, we had Tamal Krishna Maharaj, we had Bhakti Charan Maharaj. You know, where are you going to find so, people so different? Mm-hmm. Just thinking, we were just discussing the two of them today. Totally different. Um, but both dedicated to Brahma, both serious about um, dedication to Krishna. But no one could say that you know they had the same personality. Totally different. And well, why does it happen though? Why why do people Because they're because they're individual. But for one reason or another they left. Maybe because of their previous habits, maybe because of bad association. There's so many reasons why people can leave. And reasons why people come back also. Sorry, that was just a question on here, which was, which I thought was a really good question. So, what is real? So, it seems that countries with the greatest happiness index have higher levels of... Sorry. How do we know the difference between spiritual happiness and material happiness? Gopis of Vrindavan were on the verge of death for 100 years. How do we know the difference between material happiness and spiritual happiness? The gopis were on the verge of death for 100 years. <coughs> well, from one point of view, material happiness, spiritual happiness means in relation to Krishna. In relation to the truth, the absolute truth. Material means without any relationship to the absolute truth, which means illusory. Mm-hmm. Spiritual happiness means in relation to the eternal. Material happiness means in relation to the 
spiritual means in relation to spirit and material means in relation to matter or this body. The happiness only related to the body is material happiness. Happiness related to the spirit and ultimately the supreme spirit. That's spiritual happiness, which the Acharyas described as eternal and unlimited. And then you come to you know, the, the supposed misery of the gopis, which sort of jumps to another level, but the um, supposed misery of the gopis. The Acharyas tell us this is, uh, it looks like misery, but it's better even than happiness. And therefore Chaitanya Mahaprabhu wanted to relish these feelings of the gopis in separation. Because this is, it looks like misery. But it's not. And, and just to follow on from the, the difference between material happiness and spiritual happiness, oftentimes in Kirtan or in Japa, but more, more in Kirtan, how, how do we tell if we get a good feeling or a nice feeling or like a you know, warm feeling or like um, a home feeling or something like that? How do you know if it's spiritual or material? Because even in like uh, material music, you can get some sort of sentiment out of it. So how do you know that the sentiment out of the kirtan is different, and, and how do you distinguish it? Yeah. No, we don't just go by our feelings. If, you go, if we go by our feelings, we can be easily mis- misled. That sounds great, I don't care what you say, this is like, wow, wow, wow. You know, because it felt good. Uh, so we don't go by, it felt good. We go by what the Acharyas say. If you're diseased and you you feel like eating something, you don't say, well, I don't care what the doctor says, it felt good. The doctor says, you you eat this, you're going to get seriously sick. So we have to go by that, not by how it feels. How it feels can be misleading. But if we go by the um, Shastra Chakra, if we're guided by the vision of Shastra, or Ganachak through eyes of knowledge, then we'll see better. And then what did the Acharya say about this thing? Like, how to recognize that this is spiritual pleasure gain, that this is spiritual. You have to see what it is, just like gambling. It may feel great. You know, I went to the casino and (coughs) this, you don't care what they say, we were like, wow, 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 wow. But we go by the Acharyas and they say, no, this is. This is an ignorance, this is bad for you. It doesn't, we don't have to wait and see how it feels. Intoxication. Um, we may feel this is, wow, I've never done anything like this, this is so great. You know, I don't care what, what my parents say or what, what the devotees say. They just don't know how much pleasure this is. That's with our, by our immediate experience. But with eyes of knowledge, we say this is, this is trouble in the making. Hmm? Eyes of knowledge, we can see. But better to see with, with eyes of knowledge than just with our eyeballs. And seeing means feeling, touching, tasting. It's not that anything that feels good is good. That's the trick of the senses. Like the fish, the bait 
next bit. But what is it? It's a step. If you were a wise fish and had, you know, eyes of knowledge, you'd say, whoa. Well, I'm thinking of it, we have whole civilizations. We have whole communities and whole civilizations that are evidence of, you know, where it leads. Who've, you know, thrown themselves into intoxication and thrown themselves into illicit sex, thrown themselves into gambling. And if you look at them, it's not like, wow, these are the most advanced, happy, fulfilled, well-balanced people that could ever be imagined. And look at them, you say, they're fools. Unless we're fools, they don't think, yeah, they're being on top of it. Those with eyes of knowledge look at them and say, yeah, poor, miserable things. Yeah. Hi, Krishna. Um, if I was to accept that religion um, leads to a certain level of happiness and contentment. Yet faith and religion are seen as the most prolific source of violence in our history. Stop right there. <laughs> <laughs> of course, first we have to get into what we mean by religion, what we mean by faith and all of that. But this is all bunk. This whole idea that religion is, is the source of all war and conflict and so on and so on and so on. Go ahead and tell me that I mean, just in our practical experience, um, of course the Gulf War was advertised as being about a clash of civilizations, about Christianity and Islam, or Western culture and Islam, but you know, it's all about oil. And, and geostrategy, you know, where, which countries were located where, with which countries, and what resources, and all of that. And, you know, for, for the sake of What's the word? Manipulating public opinion, we say. It's all about these fanatical, crazy, religious, fundamentalists, blah, 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 blah. And because they're crazy, religious, fundamentalists, we have to preserve civilization and, and the safety in the region by invading their country and taking their oil and, you know, so on and so on. Um, was the Korean War fought over religion? Was World War II fought over religion? Was Vietnam about religion? Was World War I about religion? Yeah. So you can just stop with your premise. Take it back home. Thank you so much. Um, I guess this question comes up often, and it's probably more for me to be able to relate to other people who might ask. Um, and it's it's the question that if we were once with Krishna, 
If you were. If, if we were once already with Krishna and we were happy, then um, why did we leave? Mm. And could that happen again? So if we go back, could that happen again that we want to be? Well, everyone has independence. And therefore, everyone's free to say, I'm going off on my own. Even from a spiritual platform, one, is, one has tiny independence. One can misuse it and say, no, I'm going to enjoy it independently. Even a rich man's son can say, why should I stay here and let me strike out on my own? Then make himself miserable he has that freedom. Does this perhaps not show the limitations then? Is this not? Does this perhaps not show limitations then of, of the spiritual world? If no, it's, 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 it's an opulence of the spiritual world that it even offers tiny independence, which it's up to you. You can use well or use badly. It's not a limitation, that's a non-limitation. our last two questions, final two questions. So, yeah, this will be the last one. Thank you, Mr. Maharaj. Uh, I just had a quick question on uh, some uh, people I, I might encounter while on book distribution or in general conversations. Uh, you know, with the rising up of pop spirituality these days, like uh, of pop spirituality. Pop spirituality, yeah. yeah. Like it's all one, and like okay. a fascinating question I come across. Uh, I mean, I usually try to address it with philosophy, but like I was just looking for a quick retort in a way that can catch their attention. The question is that, uh, oh yeah, we're so happy for you. This Krishna thing works out for you. That's great. Like you know, other things work out for other people. Like you know, it's all one, and it's all great. Like, so how does one address this idea that like uh, you know, this Krishna consciousness is not exactly just for some kind of people, it's for everyone to actually take to work. Well, it's a question of truth, like, <clears throat> yeah, everyone has to die. Well, if that's true for you, then I, I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you believe it, then it's true for you. It's, you know, you may accept it or not accept it, that it's not true for me or true for you. That's a, that's a quick one off. As far as the idea that everything is one, Prabhupada was, I was in a, at a, Prabhupada gave a lecture in Boston at a major university. And after his lecture, we were in the lobby, big lobby, and you know, we had little book stands and this and that. I was manning one of the little tables and this big wave went through the room, you know, like, <laughs> and I didn't know what had happened. Last, later I asked what had happened. Here's what had happened. Prabhupada had come out of the auditorium. He was talking to a professor. I think he was an Indian fellow. And the person was going on, everything is one, everything is one, everything is one, everything is one. And, you know, whatever Prabhupada said, he'd go on with everything is one. And Prabhupada took him by the shirt said, if everything is one, then why don't you wear a cotton ball instead of a shirt? <laughs> no, your cotton ball is the raw cotton. If everything is one, why don't you wear a cotton ball instead of a shirt? Beautiful. Thank you very much. So next time they say everything's one, grab another shirt. <laughs>
question around personality um, raised a good point that you know many people come to Christian consciousness um, with various skills and qualities that would help them in their service, um, but coming into and becoming a devotee, especially in the in the early years of their their spiritual life, they cut out these things that would be very useful for something um, you know service related and also in the the big picture of integrating within the society that we live in, not just um, Islam, but the, the great material world society, where even though we're spiritual, we still live on the material world. Um, and so, you know, I feel like this this, this is a, a key point in the Gita as well, that Arjuna was a Shakshya, and the key point is that Krishna says that you do your duty, but for a higher purpose, for a, for a higher aim. Um, but we don't have that, we don't invite that same mood, it seems, in Islam, where whereby if someone's doing something more worldly, it seems something material, therefore it's nonsense, which should be rejected. In this kind, sometimes people are especially beginning discouraged from using their talents or abilities. And that doesn't seem quite so good. Is that your point? Yeah, especially when those those talents and qualities can be used. And they could use those talents or abilities for Krishna. Yeah, now there's two things there. <coughs> One thing is it may reflect the inexperience or short-sightedness of the management, they don't see, here's a person who has this capability or quality that could be used for Krishna. They just don't see it. Maybe later that comes out, um, and the person you know, sticks with it and uh, still keeps his quality and later uses it, that may be there. Um, sometimes it is acknowledged. You get a bar who came out, but and say, stop taking photographs and take photographs for Krishna. So um, sometimes the management sees it, sometimes the management doesn't see it. That's true. And sometimes also, it's good for us to get some um, basic training and then get on with our, our qualities and our, our contribution. Sometimes it's more, it's less of a contribution than we think it is. You know, everyone thinks he's a rock star. You know, if we encourage everyone in their tendencies and skills and talents, ninety-five percent of the men in Chinese kind would be rock musicians. Oh, do we So sometimes, you know, just just get down to the basics. Be humble. Be simple. Take up this chanting. Start following these principles. And get your foundation right. And then we'll go on to what your skills are, what your capabilities are, and all the things you're being on. So shake out the shake out the junk first. You know, let's wash the cloth and then see what kind of color it has. So both things may be there. so much Maharaj, we really appreciate your time. Uh, can we have everyone's hands in the air? Can we have three loud very words?
So just a few announcements. Uh, there's a table at the back for the new PS T-shirts. Um, so have a look over there when you have time. They are fifteen pounds, um, and you might see a few people walking around uh, having them on today. Um, yeah, I think uh, Ron is gonna make the last announcement. <laughs> <laughs> so we're just trying to get the poster up, um, but. Please correct me if I'm wrong. Okay, two announcements. Uh, firstly, Marge's book, Vanity Karma, is at the back if you'd like to purchase it. Um, Krishna could please speak to either Krishna Kirti Prabhu or Juvenal Krishna. Or Sham. Sham Mehta. No, Sham Nanda Prabhu. Um, secondly, on Wednesday the 19th at 7 pm is uh, His Holiness Kadama Karana Marge's memorial at the Bhakti Nantamaya. Um, and his, uh, Marge will be speaking there also. So, um, Please do attend and bring your family along also. Um, and the other word was one of my other uh, problems, close disciples, has been working on wonderful projects for many, many years. And we'll hear something about his current project very important and worthwhile project that he's undertaken. Thank you, Mara. Hare Krishna. Just a, just a point about using our talents. Uh, for the first two years in Krishna consciousness, we were serving in the Juhu temple, uh, doing anything that was necessary, cooking, cleaning, uh, deity worship. So we weren't really doing our, our, our film or photography. But that, uh, and I, I like to recount that because we need patience. That's one, one thing that's uh, very important in devotional service is patience. You know, we can become uh, very enthusiastic and fired up, but long-term is patience with ourselves and others. We have a project, I don't want to break the uh, train of thought too much, but Anyway, it's, a, it's restoring all the films of Srila Prabhupada, uh, going back to the original films themselves and retransferring them. 1998, we did that. We, we couldn't do the highest quality. We, we could only do SD quality. It was too expensive to go HD. Now there's HD, there's 2K, there's 4K, there's 8K and, and above. But we, we can uh, do fine with 4K because the 16-millimeter frame films uh, you know, it's, it's a tiny little, tiny little photos, 24 frames a second. We have 47 hours of films of Prabhupada in this con, uh, times 60 times 60 times 24 is 4,080,800 little pictures. So each one of those is going to be restored to pristine quality. So this is a, a project that we feel that everyone can get behind, all the temples, all the individuals, because we are indebted to Prabhupada. And this is something practical we can support. So I, we don't expect uh, anything tonight necessarily. We do have brochures. Please take one and pass it around, your, your family, your friends. And 
uh, somebody may be enthused to help. Let's go to the, uh, on the home page at the top. Now something's wrong. The website is innervoiceproductions.com. I just saw no internet. There we go. So click on that little arrow on the left. This is a three minute video. If you have seen footage of his divine grace, A.C. Bhakti Vedanta Swami Prabhupada, there is a good chance that the film was shot by Yadavar Das and Vishaka Dasi. From 1971 to 1977, the husband and wife team recorded more than 60 hours of footage of his divine grace and the ever-expanding Hare Krishna movement. When we met Hanubad back in 1970, I was a photographer, he was a writer, and we started filming him and taking photographs of him and collecting films. With that footage, they created the most cherished Hare Krishna films, including their masterpiece, Hare Krishna, the mantra, the movement, and the Swami who started it all. Perhaps more importantly, Yadubar has spent 40 years doing the somewhat less glorious service of preserving and storing his footage, as well as additional films which were donated by other filmmakers. On numerous occasions, he's performed the tedious task of relocating and reorganizing over 300 canisters of film in order to keep them preserved and safe. Now, we have the chance to help carry on this service. As the technology has evolved, we are now able to digitally capture and store these films in the highest possible quality. In 1998, the majority of Yadavar's footage was transferred and digitized at standard definition, or SD quality, which is roughly 10 times smaller than the scans that are now possible. On top of that, most of this footage has only been seen as a compressed file on the internet. Now we are able to capture these priceless films in stunning 4K resolution, giving the world the opportunity to see this footage at the highest possible quality. This means three things. One, there will never be a need to digitize this footage again as 4K digitization matches the original quality and size of the film. Two, the footage can be shown at any scale and maintaining the same image quality whether you are watching on your phone, home television, or in a movie theater. And three, the original reels of film can finally be retired to long-term storage, relieving Yadavar of his decades-long service. After 40 years, these films have already degraded to a certain extent, but thankfully the technology available today can restore them to pristine quality. Before there is further degradation, where they simply get lost in the shuffle of time, Let's help preserve this invaluable documentation of Srila Prabhupada's legacy at the quality it deserves to be seen. Very important. The last is very important. 
So all of you wealthy young men, you can pitch in, or those of you who are poor young men from wealthy families, uh, speak to your parents, or those who, are, who have uh, deep pockets among your friends and acquaintances, you know, let them know about your Barnes project. Um, money is out there. If you know, if you are friends with money, if you know where there's money, send it to the people's direction. We like money. Some of it. We like uh, Maharaj. You're speaking about uh, getting rid of stuff, mm. and Maharaj went all the way to our money. Uh, to, we we gather so much. He was speaking to older, you know, mm. uh, and we you know we, we work so hard to accumulate uh, big bank accounts, and sometimes we do that, but oftentimes we we leave our body before we can make use of it. So anyway, that's... So talk some old people out of their <laughs> we, should, we should stop here. <laughs> Thank you very much. Hare Krishna. As I said before, this program is for older people too. Um, okay, so thank you. Thank you, Arapu. This is, I mean, this is amazing. This has never been done before, never been seen before. So we've all benefited from this so much. Thank you so much.